What's going on right now is a wake-up call. If you look at how things have changed since the last time I was on your show to now. Oh my goodness. People need to understand if you look at a long enough timeline and we project that forwards, you better be ready to recognize threats in your environment and manage them. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in 3, 2, 1. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. Welcome. I want to stop for a moment and say hello to my partner on the show and partner in life, Glenn Tate. Well, hello. And I wanted to let folks know we have a very popular guest returning. He's a former military contractor, a member of the special operations community. He'll talk about current events, the Ukraine insurgency, and his latest project. So have you and all of your firearms training been taught that you shouldn't hesitate when you draw a firearm or if you intend to defend, defend yourself, yourself exactly yeah. jinx don't hesitate do it and do it with 100 percent of your mind and body and your intent fully commit go for it well what happens when you're in that moment and what flashes through your mind is i'm gonna get sued you just it's a bad lo- thought it's a bad thought you to just have. lost your advantage and potentially your life and If you do actually have to defend yourself, you're absolutely right. You're going to have to defend yourself also in a legal court. And that can become absolutely life-changing and bog you down. We encourage you to think about checking out U.S. Law Shield. It's insurance for that very thing. Legal defense at your fingertips. Encourage you to check them out at our website, prepping2-0.com. Click over on Friends and Affiliates. And they can help you out. They have a special going. You get 14 months for the price of 12. It's about 100 bucks a year because when you talk about insurance, that's one of people's first questions is, is this going to be $1,000 a year? Because that doesn't do me any good. So it's pretty affordable. Well, we have some other business for you. Um, Very briefly, we are now proud affiliates. We are members of the Firearms Radio Network. Check out all the great shows there. You can tell by the name of the network that it's pretty cool. Firearmsradio.net. So also want to mention, we're having a whole lot of fun over on Patreon, on our Patreon side of things. If you have kids in your life, whether you're a parent, you're an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a foster parent, I've been doing what we're calling prepping for kids as well as prepping for teens. I am doing a read through of some really cool books that can help kids get a grasp and understand prepping. For the little kids, the little guys, the kindergartners through about third or fourth grade, we are reading right now Little House in the Big Woods. Been kind of fun to do that. For the older kids, for prepping for teens, your middle schoolers and high school, we are reading through Island of the Blue Dolphins, which is fascinating. Encourage you, if you're not a patron, go over and check it out. Become a patron and get some fun prepping content for your kids. Let's get into it. Well, our guest, Sean Swanson, is a warrior. He's been in war-torn hell holes all over the world. He's one of the smartest guys I know. He has amazing analytical skills and understands world events. He's a prepper and has a new project potentially of interest to you that we'll talk about. He'll also answer our Patreon's questions. Another reason to be a Patreon is you get to ask our guests questions and get the answers read on the air, which is pretty cool. So welcome back to Prepping 2.0, Sean. Well, hello. I'm glad to be back. Um, Thanks for having me back. So, Sean, just... Just so folks know, describe your background for us. Um, former uh, military contractor, I'm back home now. Um, and I'm excited to share with you guys that uh, given your prompting, I've uh, started my own uh, small concern on the internet called uh, Battle Lab. Um, you can find us at the www.battlelab.us. And what we're doing there is uh, looking at human behavior, conflict, and the principles, tactics, philosophy, and history behind what we see with human behavior, conflict, and combat. I wanted to uh, take an opportunity to share some of my insights, uh, given what's going on in the world and human behavior and what happens when we find ourselves uh, in trouble. Well, and I have to tell you that not only have I been on the site, I'm a Patreon supporter of yours, which is awesome. I love to to share the Patreon support. And I can tell you guys that this is not, battlelab.us is not 
uh, pop psychology. You know, you talk about the human mind, and some people might think that this is like a Dr. Phil episode, you know, with uh, psychobabble. No, no, no. This is warrior stuff. This is the human mind as it relates to combat and combat conditions, and quite honestly, the conditions we're going to be facing soon in this country. So I would say it's a mindset site training and all kinds of good thoughts. You have some videos, you have web pieces, you have all kinds of good stuff on mindset. And as we say constantly on this show, mindset is your most important prep because without the ability to understand what's going on and make snap decisions, as Shelby was talking about when she was mentioning U.S. Law Shield, you have to make snap decisions and your mind is your greatest weapon. And so I want folks to know that that's what this is about. So highly recommended that people check out battlelab.us. Well, I wanted to start off with an open-ended question, and that is, is this a dangerous time for our country? Um, We have not seen a more dangerous time than right now. Um, It's not uh, being built like that. It's not being ushered out like that in the media at large. But if you think about it, we have been sitting at DEFCON 2 in Europe um, since the outbreak of the Ukrainian-Russian uh, conflict. Um, we haven't uh, seen a DEFCON 2 standing since 1962 in the Cuban Missile Crisis. We seem to be playing that down here in the United States. Our .gov is doing that. Um, and uh, I, I, I can tell you there's a lot of, a lot of balls at play and uh, we might be seeing larger and larger conflict moving forwards. Yeah, what do you think about the surveillance state that we live in? What do you think about the the global, well, the globalists and um, the the new world order and the great reset and all of these kinds of things? You know, it's funny that you mention that because it's for how long have folks been labeled tinfoil, conspiracy theory, and all those things. Now, all those things that everybody was wearing the tinfoil hat about are actually occurring. I have to say, I've, I've never been more disturbed than what we saw occur right alongside the Freedom Convoy, not in Canada, but what happened in Canada was incredibly disturbing. But what happened with the Freedom Convoy coming across from California to D.C.? Um, we watched literally in real time on uh, visible assets here that the United States government tasked an EC-130H to actually do racetrack circles around that convoy. And if you don't know what an EC-130H uh, and, and J are, they're national assets that we use to um, surveil and disrupt uh, communications at large with enemy forces. So we're seeing a real change in that battlefield and approach of how government's managing what they deem anything that has a threat label. Yeah, it seems like uh, the Department of Homeland Security, a warning that went out, basically said that domestic terrorists are people driving trucks to D.C. And it's so obvious that under the Biden administration, the federal government views patriots as the enemy. We should be very disturbed. We should be very disturbed about them holding people as they have from the January 6th um, debacle. Um, we should be very disturbed to be seeing what they're doing about labeling parents at PTA meetings and at uh, school board meetings uh, threats. Um, it, it just doesn't appear that this Department of Justice and this administration sees anything more about any kind of dissent and opinion than criminalizing their opposition. And it's it's a very dangerous moment, Glenn. Do you think that it's more than just domestic politics for the Biden administration to try to make out the the right wing boogeyman? Do you think there's something more to it? Possibly. Anything that's not in line with their agenda, they appear to want to criminalize. We could, you know, go down any number of rabbit holes as to why. But it's certainly obvious and evidential what they're doing. And that's where we need to be seated, is looking at the reality of things and how our, our battle space is being shaped. And uh, it's very different than the last time I talked to you. Yeah. And what do you think about the obvious plans that the federal government and the Federal Reserve have for creating a digital dollar? Is a digital dollar something to be worried about? Absolutely. Um, we're talking about a nation 
that wants to have rulers, not laws. We're, we're looking at a new norm where they want to control things at a very local level. Um, right alongside the, the digital currency is the notion of ESGs. Yes. And uh, that's an incredibly dangerous thing, too, where if you step outside of their view of what they believe is the correct platform to be upon, which is their environmental, their social, and their government platform, if you step out of line in dissent with those things, they actually could restrict your financial platform, your personal finances, especially if it's all digitized. So it's a dangerous moment. Yeah, and ESG, which, as you mentioned, stands for environmental, social and governance criteria for corporations, basically. But it filters down the Securities and Exchange Commission has a proposed rule that will require publicly traded companies, which are, of course, the big corporations to describe their ESG uh, efforts. And it reaches down to all of the suppliers of these large corporations the corporation needs to report to the SEC what the suppliers are doing about environmental, social and governance, meaning governance, meaning in one of the things for governance is is how many minorities you have on your board of directors, for example. So it's it's a Chinese social credit system uh, masked under an innocuous, seemingly innocuous Securities and Exchange Commission rule with a funny acronym like ESG. So it's not like it's a social credit score, but it is for companies and their suppliers, which reaches down to the medium and small businesses. And so guess what? There are all these vendors, all these consultants out there that are waiting in the wings, ready to help that small business uh, come up with its ESG plan and you know describe how much uh, of a carbon footprint they have how they support, you know, Black Lives Matter. So they get points for the S part of ESG and the governance part, how their ownership is reflected in underserved communities being on the board and all of that other stuff. It's really, really dangerous. It's another example of the federal government using corporations to do what the federal government wants. And quite honestly, the big corporations are all too willing to help because they're all woke. Well, and what the federal government is, honestly, they would go to court and get their, you know, rear ends handed to them because it's illegal. So they're just having the corporations do their evil bidding. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I think you're correct in your assessment. Uh, There's national instruments of power and they're exercising them in different ways now. And uh, two of the checkpoints, there's an acronym called Midfield. And uh, it used to be DIME, but now that we're living in a more complex operating environment, they've changed it, the acronym to Midfield. Let me give you what that stands for. Military, information, diplomacy, finance, intelligence, economics, law and development. Each one of those is an instrument of power that the the dot govs out there use all dot govs and what we're seeing is finance and economics out of that midfield acronym being shaped and what's interesting is they're they're wanting to do that social credit system here in the united states look at what they're doing to russia right now given that midfield acronym in the esg kind of thing and warping finance and economics with the sanctions going on it's all on display right now they're refining the tools and how they're applying it, um, given the crisis in, in the Ukraine. You just said it's all out in the open. I mean, they're openly doing this. Um, describe for us how, if I should say, I'll, I'll try to ask a non-leading question. I'm injecting to my own question as leading, uh, as if we were in court. But um, <laughs> what is the significance to you of the government and these corporations being absolutely out in the open about what they're doing. Does that show a sense of bravado on their part or a sense of desperation or both? I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around why we're seeing them do things that look counter to American success, American behavior and past classical models of, of liberalism. Um, they're, what we tend to see as a, as a nation in decline occurs is that the, the government apparatus grasps after each piece of power that they can wield. And now they're trying to reshape how their instruments of power work to retain what they can, 
given the fact that America is in decline as a superpower and, uh, and, and, you know, we're in decline at home. Now, I think that's apparent to everyone. I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it. President Biden, uh, the, the Arab Emiratis and the Saudis won't even take his phone call. Um, that, that should be a huge red flag folks should be seeing as a real change in the world environment about how nations are decoupling and, and redefining their relationships. And to add to that, the Saudis have said they are considering accepting the Chinese currency, the yuan, for payment uh, of oil. And of course, the petrodollar has always been the situation since 1945 that the Saudis and by extension OPEC would only buy and sell oil in U.S. dollars, which means that there's an artificially high demand for U.S. dollars. And now if they are the Saudis and the rest of the Gulf, presumably, are decoupling from the United States dollar, it's a huge problem because when you've got a lot less demand for something, the value goes down, the price goes down. If the price of the U.S. dollar goes down, that is inflation because dollars are now worth less because they're less in demand. And, and it's a process that takes a couple of years to fully work its way out. There are all kinds of contracts out there, long-term contracts, futures contracts that are in U.S. dollars. I don't mean to imply that this is a sudden thing, but it is not a good sign. I mean, look at what happened to Britain when the world used to be on the English pound as the world reserve currency and, and business was done in, in pounds. And then when the world decoupled from the pound, uh, look at what happened to Britain. Things were not good. Uh, quality of life you know, situation in Britain was not good after they lost their world reserve currency status. So this is a big deal. And I think, I'm curious what you think, I think that wars are fought over uh, world reserve currency status and, and massive declines of quality of life in a country, they often seem to spark wars. What do you think about that? 100%. And uh, I, I hate to say it, but uh, we're, we're on a road towards that. And if you don't think that we're headed towards world war because of that, um, I, I, I think you'll, uh, I don't have to do any convincing. <laughs> History as it plays out um, is going to show um, that, that uh, we, we go to war over economics. And uh, as the, the dollar continues to depreciate uh, for numerous reasons, domestic and foreign, um, we're, 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 going to, we're, we're going to have real impacts. And it's going to be conflict um, at home and abroad. Well, and there's another side of the coin. You say people go to war over economics and, and currency values. That also applies to the Russians. The ruble has been decimated, absolutely decimated with the sanctions and the uh, the Russian oil embargo. And so it's not just the United States and the West that might go to war because of the decline of the U.S. dollar. It could be Russia. And you've got a guy, Putin, who um, I think is unstable. I don't think that's the only explanation for why he invaded Ukraine, but he's obviously you know, not a rational guy, at least in, in the Western sense of rationality. And the Russians could start a war to try to get their economy going again. It's so simple with the setting that we have now with Ukraine. It, all it takes is as a missile or even an artillery shell to on accident or on purpose, go across the Polish border and you've got the setting. I'm not saying it would happen. I'm saying you've got the pathway, the setting for World War Three. What do you think about that? Yeah, we're we're at we're at that door right now. Um, it's it's going to take one wrong move or one false flag from any of the nations involved, and we're gonna we're gonna have a, a world war sparked. And uh, if you don't think we're sitting there now, and that's a possibility, you really haven't been paying attention. Um, we've never been in a more dangerous point in world politics in my lifetime than right now yeah and you mentioned uh, a false flag and a lot of people hear that term and they think oh that's wacko conspiracy theory stuff um, and it, it isn't um, I always like to look at history especially semi-recent history and try to learn from it the 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 Soviet Union the then Soviet Union in 1939 invaded Finland and started a war with Finland and of course the Finns ended up 
beating the Russians pretty badly. It was extremely embarrassing for the Russians. Kind of sound familiar? A small country defending itself against a numerically superior force. And the reason I bring it up in the context of false flags is that the Russians started the war with Finland. They needed a reason. The Finns weren't going to start the war. They needed a reason. And the Russians, well, the Soviets, pardon me, shelled a a Finnish, uh, well, they, they made it look like the Finns shelled a Russian position when in fact it was the Russians shelling their own position. So false flags don't necessarily mean um, uh, falsely shooting up a high school or something like that. I mean, or or having people in a in a protest, you know, wearing Trump hats. That's the kind of the domestic political version of a false flag. It's very easy for a military power to inflict wounds upon itself and claim that the other side did it. So, I mean, is that your understanding of one of the ways false flags could happen? Yeah, and an even more current one would be the Gulf of Tonkin incident uh, that, that drug us into Vietnam. Um, that, that is another absolute example of false flag operations uh, being used to forward an agenda that's political, that, uh, that uh, you know our national assets want to, uh, to be involved in. So, you know, the problem is we have that historical evidence and, and we can see that the false flags are used time and time again in warfare. And the, the problem that we face now is weak leadership combined with false flags and, and folks that aren't home. Um, I, I, I hate to say it, but if you, if you look at what's going on, um, the leaderlessness and the lead from behind stance the United States has taken what some people will call multilateral um, in, in managing what's going on in the Ukraine conflict um, only exacerbates it. Um, there's no strong leadership out there. We're not acting like a superpower, largely because we aren't anymore. But we don't. when we don't show strength, it invites more problems. It sure does. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we have to take a break here really quick. But one of the questions I want to ask Sean when we come back to, from the break is, how does this all apply to those of us who are preppers? Who? That's one of the many questions we have. Um, we're also going to hear from our patrons. But real quick, want to just give a big, huge shout out to our great sponsors. You can find them at our website, prepping2-0.com. Click on friends and affiliates. And there's a ton of really lucrative and helpful coupon codes over there as well. You will find Jared Savick and Lizzie McDaniel. Jared is a realtor in Montana. He will help you find a great prepping property in the state of Montana. He's a, he and his lovely wife are preppers themselves. Same for Lizzie McDaniel for the state of Tennessee. You can find them at redstate-realtor.com. Katie Armour. C-A-T-I Armor, Backwoods Home Magazine. We just got our latest edition of that. We're yep. looking forward to it. My Kind CBD, we believe, is hands down the best CBD product line out there. Also, Minutemen Coffee. I've had my pot for the day. I might have a little bit more later. We're She's moving. an addict. I, I admit it. Tac Niner, T-A-C, digit nine E-R, deals in protective and tactical gloves. I have a pair and have been using them a lot lately. EMP Shield. Folks, don't go away. We have so much more to talk about. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself and save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. 
PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. You are only as safe as your gear. Rely on Tac Niner Premium Tactical Survival Gear. Visit Tac Niner on Amazon. It's spelled T A C, the digit 9 E R. Tactical gloves, lights, poles, trenching, and more. See the full line. Visit Tac Niner on Amazon. Gear up and save money when you mention Glenn and Shelby. Use the code Tac Niner P20 at checkout and save 20% on tactical gloves. Tac Niner, premium, high performance survival gear that is built to last. Abe Lincoln here. In 1773, patriots broke the chains of British tyranny by throwing tea into Boston Harbor. On that day, Americans began drinking coffee. We celebrate that event daily here at Minutemen Coffee. All men are created equal. (laughs) Coffee is not. Minutemen Coffee is roasted to perfection in small batches. Bold, smooth, and never bitter. Shipped to you fresh daily. Whole bean, ground, or our patented pods. www.minutemencoffee.com Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Thanks for joining us, folks. Shelby Gallagher here. We are having just a riveting show here. I'm just sitting here listening and soaking it all in. We're hearing from one of our most popular guests, former mercenary Sean Swanson. Real quick, though, have you gone to the grocery store lately? Yes. Yes. Are you finding everything you need to fulfill your shopping list? No. Now, if you're a prepper... Have you been able to add to your preps as meaningfully as you had maybe before COVID? Nope. Nope. It's harder now. It's really hard now, and it's really expensive now, too. Folks, a great place to help you out with that is Numana Foods. You can find them at prepping2-0.com. They deal exclusively in bulk, freeze-dried, deep-prep foods. And it's really nice to know that they're out there and you can lean on them and get good, solid wholesome food that lasts 25 years lasts a long time and you're not finding it in the grocery store really encourage you to check them out especially as a prepper especially knowing what's coming down the line what we're describing here that there's going to be some very serious food shortage crisis crises here in the united states thank you to numana foods for being awesome in this department i wanted to give you the weekly spotlight of one of the firearms radio network podcasts And the podcast of the week we're spotlighting is Civilian Medical Podcast. You can tell by the name of the show what it's about. It's about all things first aid. They say you're more likely to need a tourniquet than a gun. And so if you spend a lot of time and energy and money learning how to use a gun, then you should probably spend as much or more time and energy learning how to do something like use a tourniquet. Uh, I'll be a guest on Civilian Medical Podcast coming in the next couple weeks. 
And so I highly encourage you to check out Firearms Radio Network. And specifically, if you need, like most preppers, you need to come up to speed on your medical preps, Civilian Medical Podcast is the way to go. So we're going to ask Sean some more questions, but they're not going to be our questions. They're going to be our Patreon questions. Well, actually, we are going to oh. ask him one more question. Okay, go yeah, ahead. Um, one more topic before we get to the Patreon topics. And that is, Sean, we were talking about Ukraine. Uh, tell us your thoughts on the Ukrainian insurgency. Are the, mm. are the Ukrainians going to win? What does it look like? How do the Russians react? Because I think a lot of our listeners correctly realize that there are analogies between a Ukrainian insurgency and what it would look like in the United States if we, God forbid, and trust me, no one no one who's been to war like you have wants any kind of fighting like that in the United States. Nobody's cheering this on, but if there were a conflict, whatever it may be in the United States, what can people in America learn from the insurgency in Ukraine? So there's two levels that you've got to look at here. There's physical terrain and human terrain. And when you when you look at the Ukraine and what's going on there, you're seeing the Russians have lost a lot of the human terrain battle, but they still have a tremendous amount of assets where they can throw at controlling the physical terrain. Mariupol and a few of the other cities on the western borders of Ukraine that's been invaded um, is seeing that in effect now. You're going to see cities in the Ukraine look like Grozny. They're going to bury those people under rubble. And that's what they do when the Russians get ramped up, is if they can't control the human terrain and the human narrative, they destroy the ground. And uh, we're watching that play out right now. That could uh, be, in, in some senses, in some areas, a scenario that can play out here in the, in the United States as well if we saw a domestic conflict uh, break out. If people can't control the human terrain, and what by people I mean governments, um, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to bury it under rubble, or they're going to say that it's a non-governed zone. And uh, if you want an idea of what a non-governed zone looks like, just look south to Mexico. Exactly. And one of the things about the Russian approach to insurgencies that I find fascinating is the the Russians have just a different mindset. You mentioned Grozny, which of course is the capital of Chechnya. People have heard of Chechnya and how the Russians absolutely leveled that country and that that capital in particular. I mean, the, the photographs, I mean, every single building is blown up and blown apart. And it, I, I read an interesting article that said that the Russians have actually a remarkably good track record of success when it comes to fighting insurgencies far better than the Western countries. And the reason they have a great track record is they do not have any moral inhibitions to absolutely flattening the places uh, in the insurgency. We're seeing that certainly in Ukraine. We're seeing, you know, a theater where people were huddled in the basement, blown up, 300 people dead. I civilians, assume, specifically civilians. civilians. Exactly. Civilian targets. And so the, the article said that when you stack up the number of insurgencies that the Russians slash Soviets have faced since 1917, and you define a win against the insurgency as the insurgents are no longer militarily capable of operations, and there was no giving away of territory by the Russians slash Soviets, the Russians have an 87.5% success rate, which is far higher than the United States. I mean, we didn't even win in Afghanistan. It took 21 years and and we still didn't, quote, win under that definition of winning. So my point is, is that a lot of Americans, and I understand why not everybody has a ton of time to look into these things. I mean, who reads articles on the, the Russians insurgency success rate, right? Only nerds like me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't fault people for not having the time, but if you just watch Fox News, it's very easy to, on, on a one-dimensional emotional level, say, oh my goodness, the Russians are mean. Well, yeah, they are mean, but there's more to it than that. There's the Russian approach, and it's got a track record of success, the Russian approach to crushing insurgencies. Do you, I mean, this is a pretty obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you think that what we're seeing in Ukraine is just another example of the Russian approach to insurgencies. 
it is. It's hybrid warfare. Um, what you're going to see next come out of this, in in uh, there's historical um, context for this too, is you'll see chemical, biological, radiological um, weapons being used in in the Ukraine. Um, they are not they're not bashful about using weapons of mass destruction. The question's going to be, what's going to be the Western response to that? Um, presently, we have a waffling president that can't decide if uh, he he, uh, he he can mentally um, put the 82nd Airborne in the Ukraine in one second, and then the rest of his narrative is never uh, you know troops on the ground in the Ukraine. Um, so we're we're at an interesting crossroads as to what will be the Western response to the Russians using chemical, biological, and radiological weapons in the Ukraine theater. Um, that being said, if nothing like that happens, we're going to see a, an insurgent, insurgency occur where there's a massive amount of blood and treasure from the east and west thrown into the Ukraine, creating the circumstance for uh, irregular warfare and attrition warfare that we haven't seen in quite some time. Yeah, and and I wanted to. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't want to be just one-sidedly negative and say, well, the Russians win insurgencies by crushing civilian populations. I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying. So why even try Ukraine? I actually had a conversation at the grocery store last night with a Ukrainian that I know, and I happened to speak very poorly uh, Russian, and which is kind of the same as Ukrainian, and so. Um, I had a conversation with him in English, I'd like to add, because my Russian is so bad. And uh, his his aunt lives in Mariupol. And, uh, Which we, is just getting crushed. Yeah, and, that's exactly what Sean just described. And and I asked, he, he mentioned some of his cousins, um, military-age males. And I said, so they're, they're what? They're volunteering. He said, absolutely, everybody is. Um, all kinds of of teenagers he said that that never really you know seem to be able to get off of their phones um are now in uniform and it is it is almost universal that that western soft kids basically because that's what ukrainian kids are they're western um are are saddling up and getting it done and and that was the human terrain you were talking about and i also think that it's it's very telling even wading through the biases that we see in the Western media, and that doesn't mean, you know, the Russians are right. It's pretty obvious who the good guys and bad guys are in this conflict, and the Russians are the bad guys. But still, again, that kind of Fox News in emotional uh, narrative, it's even sifting out the Western bias. It's pretty obvious that the Ukrainian insurgency is absolute. They have stopped the Russian advance. There's no question about it. I mean, the fact that there's not a Russian flag flying over parliament building in Kiev tells you that the Russians have not secured their objective. And so there is hope, correct me if I'm wrong, there is hope that um, some guys with AK-74s and a bunch of Javelin missiles can actually stop one of the previously most feared armies in the world. Well, Yes, you're, you're, you're right. But let, let's, let's draw this down and, and, and capitalize on what you, you had uh, said before. Let's take a look at this from what would it look like? What's it look like in, to be in Ukraine? What would it look like and use our, our uh, a dose of imagination of what it might look like here in the United States? I'm huge on looking at human behavior and choice theory. And so basically if you're in the Ukraine and you apply choice theory, they've got three choices if you're ukrainian you join the fight you become a refugee or you have your body stacked in a corner or outside your building where you're killed those are the three choices they have i would say when you knock it down to the bare bones if you see conflict in our country you're going to have the same effects some in some way you'll end up joining the fight or you'll become a refugee and try to relocate, or you're gonna have your body stacked. Um, that's how these things play out on the human terrain. And we're witnessing that in the Ukraine writ large um, as we speak here. And if you use your imagination and, and forward to a time of uh, 
of tur tumult and tur turmoil in the West here, um, the behaviors are all the same. Yeah, exactly. It's not romantic. It isn't, you know, no. Wolverines that end up winning. Um, I don't even think they won in the uh, in the movie. I don't think they won. <laughs> now that I think about it, Red Dawn. Well, there's right? a border belt right there, and and not very many people survive. So which again, means it, the it, Soviets controlled huge exactly. swaths of American territory, which is not winning. Exactly. Yeah. And it's and it's a, and what's I think the point, and I think uh, Sean would agree with me. Uh, so many times in things like this, even in movies, the, there's no clear winner, there's no clear loser. It's very complicated. It's very gray, and so. Like what we were just saying, by certain metrics, Russia seems to be losing. By, by other other metrics, they're doing exactly what they they are most successful at. Well, and to and to take it back to the Finnish war example, anytime you know your argument is based on what happened in Finland in the winter of nineteen thirty nine, it's kind of an obscure reference, I guess. <laughs> but the Finns ended up ceding a fair amount of territory to the Russians. The Russians wanted a buffer zone around Leningrad, which was at the time only 20 miles from the Finnish border. And then after World War II, the Finns became a quasi-satellite state of the Soviet Union. They were domestically controlled by the Soviets. So the Finns didn't come out in some glorious victory, yeah. even though militarily, they absolutely whooped the Soviets. I mean, it was 10, 15 to one. Uh, mortality rate and 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 the amount of equipment that the Finns destroyed of the Soviets in 1939 when they really needed it because the Nazis were about to invade them is a big deal. So there's another example of no clear cut, you know, cheesy Hollywood ending. Well, and so I'm going to bring it kind of all back home for you, Sean. Those of us who are preppers, those of us who see what's happening, those of us who um want to protect what we have what is the advice that you would give to them and i know that that's a complicated answer so we have like i don't know 10 minutes go for it <laughs> well the things that you want to look at you know what do you do when, when you face these kinds of hard decisions what, what if you're caught up in, in, in violence and a conflict that's uh, out of control the same things that you're doing right now which should be you know educating yourself, training yourself, and developing your character. You know, your character, your capability, and your consciousness of how things operate and what's going on and how to behave and take, take in the, you know, take every available advantage you can is what you should be doing. Um, it's incredibly important. You know, your combative character. Um, you have to be anti-fragile. You have to be independent and self-sustaining. You have to have moral certainty about who you are, what you're doing, and the direction you're going. You have to be adaptable. You have to be able to, to use it up, um, find an alternative, or do without. Um, you have to be confident in, in what you, you know, your, your blueprint of, of who you are and, and your ideas and your, your personal choices. You have to be deliberate about your actions and resilient in the face of, of uncertainty. These are the things that you need to be looking at. Um, you're going to be offered a, a horrible time in this country. Is is the same? You know, and I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, and I'm sure you have. Just being me, being facetious here, is that the more sanctions that are placed on Putin and the Russians, it appears the sanctions actually work against us as well. And uh, I think that people are going to, you know, catch on to that more and more, that uh, all these sanctions that we're talking about actually hurt the world economy, actually hurt us domestically in ways in second and third order of effects that we, we've never seen before. So um, it, it'll be interesting how this all plays out. But we've got to be focused on developing ourselves, our, our capabilities, our consciousness, our character, and understanding that there's narratives out there and cognitive warfare going on, that information is a tool that triggers the mind and nervous system to move. It signals that it's time to act and it's time to behave. And there's this plethora of information out there that we're being fed that's developing a blueprint in our minds about what right looks like and what wrong looks like. And we have to pull back from that pause and examine what's going on. Um, not just accept the narrative as is. 
and look at the impacts that it has on us as individuals on the micro level and then on the macro level as a nation. Well, everything you just talked about is illustrated well in something that you're too modest to talk about. Mm -hmm. So I'll talk about it for you. And that is you have a series of books out right now. Tell us about those because those books are great illustrations, you know, through dialogue, which is exactly what 299 days in a great state are there. They use dialogue among real people to make points. Tell us about your books, what they're called and where folks can get them. And then after you're done with that, we'll go into uh, Patreon questions. We'll whet the appetite of the regular show listeners to find out all the cool stuff that they're missing by not being part of the after show because they're not a Patreon. Well, thanks for the opportunity to talk about that. Um, I'm developing a number of things alongside Battle Lab. So my, my, and unfortunately it's a shotgun effect. Some things move forward faster than others. Please be patient if you're, you know, one of my Patreon members. I'm, I'm working hard on all things. But I've got a book out called To My Son. It's a book one of a three book series. The second book is actually in the cradle right now, uh, being edited. Um, and 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 it's about living in these environments. I apply fictional, you know, fictionally. I I, I weave nonfiction and fiction together in these books give vignettes of things that uh, that have happened in my life put it into story form and then uh, then then share it in uh, share it in those books um i i just want to make sure that you know in my books i'm getting out information that will help people think help people look at their position on on the human terrain of our battlefield and how to make better decisions and how to how to look at how how things get out of control a lot of the time so I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, and I was lucky enough to see a draft of the manuscript of book one, and I can tell you it's fantastic. It is such a great way to make all these otherwise esoteric, almost scholarly points about mindset and to bring it down to, as I say, dialogue and reality. And the premise of the book is this is something that you're writing to your son you're writing in the future, describing things that happened and what he can do and how he can continue on in bad times. And it is it is highly recommended. Glenn and she'll be approved. Um, oh, it's very much the reason why, like I do prepping for kids. It's like, let's read this. I want you to I, I, it's the passing on of the legacy to our children. Right. Yeah. In a nice digestible format, which is, of course, dialogue well anything um else because if not we're going to start with our first patreon question first of roughly 15 so um we got a lot of material a lot of our patreons were very excited to hear you're coming back on the show and wanted to ask you a question so do you have anything to add to your books or anything at the end of this segment we're going to ask you to give out your websites again so that folks can get a hold of you well yeah i mean i you know my Look, this is what's going on right now is a wake up call. Um, if you look at how things have changed since the last time I was on your show to now. Oh, my goodness. Um, pe- people people need to understand if you look at a long enough timeline and we, we project that forwards, you better be ready to recognize threats in your environment and manage them because there are threats in your environment now and it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Your educate, you, you know, your your opportunities for avoidance are are lessening and you better have the education and training and recognize the street realities of what's going on and how it might affect you and your family get on board and and uh, keep prepping and uh, prep hard absolutely that's right no great message well our first uh, patreon question is from dog owner not uh, the name on his birth certificate i'm sure you know, that's mom the, doesn't like him if that's the case. Oh, wow. Wow. That's right. No, it's not his real name. We're sure of it. Yeah. He asks, uh, do you know any way to obtain injectable lidocaine or other local anesthetics? I think this class of drugs are an extremely important component of any long-term medical preparations. Unfortunately, this is considered a restricted drug by our overlords, but an extremely vital one if the worst is contemplated. So, sewing up a laceration or pulling teeth will definitely be performed. Uh, if apocalyptic conditions reign for very long, it'll be very grim to go without such drugs. What do you think about this topic? Well, um, so what I've done in, in, uh, in combat theaters across the world 
is if I don't have access to something, I hire somebody who does. Um, so what's important with that is you need to start looking at the basket of people that you know in your own human terrain and what they have access to, what they professionally do, and cozy up to those people that have the a- access to the assets that you, that you need and make them a part of your plan. Um, that takes a lot of work, and a lot of people don't want to do that. But the strength that we have as human beings is we can't do it all. So right. if you don't have access to, to, the, to the drugs that you need or a field that you need um, and uh, the equipment that you need, you need to find the right folks that do. Um, it's, it's, it's incredibly important. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of the old movie, The Magnificent Seven. And one of the lines in that movie I always come back to in my head is, you might not have the money for guns, but you might have the money to hire the people that do have the guns. Well, it's the same thing with what's going on right. with, uh, with your need for, for medical and, and other things. Find the people that have the expertise yep. and bring them on board. Exactly. And if I may just, and we were talking about your books, I don't want to hog up the time and talk about my books, but there's a storyline in 299 Days about the dentists. And the dentists were part of what I call the Rotary Club Mafia. And they were the nice, above board, white collar version of the mob, but you had to pay them in gold, silver, ammunition, gasoline, whatever it may be, to get your your teeth extracted with painkillers. And so you mentioned getting to know people and, and having to hire out. It may cost you an ounce of silver that has you know, uh, technically a face value of $40,000 when the dollar collapses. It may cost you, air quotes, $40,000 to get your teeth removed. And instead of saying, wow, it was only $200 back in the good old days, you need to think about what it feels like to have a tooth extracted without lidocaine, and you need to go ahead and get it done. And I will add this. I We ran into this a little bit. If you want to go back and listen to prior shows around November, December, we only have like a minute here, so I'm going to throw this out there. There's ways to get things like that online from not American countries. Yeah, maybe not lidocaine, but there are other there drugs are other out there. There are other drugs. So go ahead gotta, and wrap it up. Yep, yeah. we got to wrap it up. So, Sean, in like 20 seconds, where can people find you and reach out to you? Uh, I'm at uh, www.battlelab.us, and as well, I'm on Patreon. Our Battle Lab uh, site does have a Patreon site. Um, if you got the extra bucks to support me, um, I'm, I'm a little bit more than a one-man show, but uh, doing all I can to produce um, important content for, for everyone. Awesome. And the name of the books again, real quick. To My Son. Um, we're found on Amazon um, uh, in paperback or uh, digital wonderful um, great great read if you you want to get get involved in it great so folks we have a great after show we have a lot of questions we want to get answered by our patreons but always remember from benjamin franklin failing to prepare is preparing to fail have a great week everyone you've been listening to prepping 2.0 with authors glenn tate and shelby gallagher all the information you've heard today including all our previous shows is online at prepping 2-0.com Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.